We are literally standing in a garbage dump of humanity. I'm Sasha Chambers, and this is Eating After Midnight, a podcast where me and my best friend, Amy Rivers, reheat movies from our childhoods to see if the leftovers have retained their flavor or leave a bad taste in our mouths. It's also about how these movies influenced, inspired, and shaped us, whether the ideas they cooked up and fed us nourished our bodies' minds or just rotted our teeth and clogged our mental arteries. Amy and I are not film scholars, but we do have a genuine love of movies as well as a beautiful friendship that spans 26 years. Ta-da! <clears throat> Sha-la-la-la. Wooly bully. You know, we got that twice in a week. We got Wooly Bully twice in a week. It's in both fucking movies. It's in, I think it's, I can't remember when it's playing. Oh, wait, no, it's not. It's not in that one. Sorry. I'm in podcasts. My brain is in podcast soup right now. It's in, uh, it was in either Rain Man or Encino Man. I think it was in Rain Man. Um, no, I don't it, think it was in Rain Man. I think it was in Encino Man. Oh, well, there goes that. I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm, I'm surprised I remember my own name today, <laughs> to be honest. So yeah, Wooly Bully twice in a week. How about that? Had a tomato. Well, you know about what the thing about this one, though? What? I was listening to it. And I was like, oh, yeah, Wooly Bully. That's a great song. And then I realized that it was a cover and it was like, this fucking cover sucks. And actually, <laughs> this movie has shit music. And we might yeah. as well just talk about everything immediately. Like the song at the end. <laughs> what is oh, it the, called? Yeah. One fine day. Love came for me. Oh, love came for me. That's what it's called fucking horrific song it's actually like a 1970s divorcee song right oh yeah break out the chardonnay and the fucking menthol 100 slim 100s babe we're going to town we're gonna just drink it away ease our troubles watch a bunch of watch watch our stories and just drown in white wine that's exactly what that song makes me think of oh lord it's awful you still have your mic off. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be yeah, an interesting yeah. ride today. Yeah, everyone. Guys, so, so everyone listening, know, yeah, just know that if the sound goes in and out and sounds weird, that's because Amy literally is she's a she's a coal miner. Um, she has black lung. <laughs> what you can't see on my end is that uh, there are little flecks of blood hitting Amy's <laughs> computer <laughs> <Wait>. screen. <laughs> All right. See the line. It's right behind you. Okay. I need, I fucked up that joke. Oh, like, I'm you sorry. Know where the line, how does that joke even go? No, no, that, that works. If the line is behind me, I've already crossed it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wow. We are, we are really good today. We're going to be on our sharpest. firecracker today, everyone, um, which is great because we're doing splash. Yes. Part, part two of our When Tom Hanks Was Funny series, which funnily enough, he's not that funny in this movie he's the straight man in this movie he's the straight man and he's a miserable shit i think that he holds his own against the other comedic powerhouses in this 
mainly being John Candy yeah, and Eugene Levy, right? Like, I think he does hold his own. <clears throat> That's one of the great things about early Tom Hanks's career is that he is as capable of being a super effective straight man as well as brilliant funny man. That's why I miss Tom Hanks. Well, he didn't have to do it. I think, I think in Money Pit, he had to carry it. And, you know, because, you know, we, we've talked about it, how Shelley Long was just such a drab. And we'll talk about Daryl Hannah Moore in the sense of whether or not she was good in this movie, but she has such a presence that she holds her own by being so beautiful. And I'm not just saying she's a pretty face, but she has that persona. She has that movie. Yeah, star no, she's quality. certainly, she has a movie star quality. And I mean, let's get real. She's playing a merm, mermaid lady in modern day New York in a fantasy fairy tale slash rom-com. And I'm buying her as a, you know, mythical creature. So yeah. she did, she did her job. She definitely yeah. did her job. So Splash, 1984, fantasy romantic comedy directed by Ron Howard. It was written by Lowell Gantz and Babalu Mandel. And it stars <laughs> Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah, John Candy, and Eugene Levy. It involves a young man who falls in love with a mysterious woman who is secretly a mermaid. And this shit was nominated for the best original screenplay at Shut up. the Academy Awards. It wasn't. Shut up. That's a lie. It said it on Wikipedia. We could look it up in more. I want to believe that Babalu Mandel added that piece of information. That's not true. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't I kept a bad, it in it, the show That notes was not a bad year for films either. So I'm very confused. Give me two seconds nominees okay here we go places of the heart beverly hills cop broadway danny rose the north and splash so honestly uh, okay it's okay. not okay it's not as intense as what we thought um places okay. in the heart I, it makes won. me feel better that it wasn't in the same year that it was like up against terms of endearment that just or fanny and alexander or fanny yeah yeah i just <laughs> That just doesn't, that doesn't gel. So usually we begin with what we remember. Now, I remember this being a fantasy film that had mermaids in it. And uh-huh. I loved it because I was, what, five, six years old. So I wanted to be a mermaid. I had a pool. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I <laughs> pretended to be a mermaid yes. all the time. That was my jam. Rewatching it, what I've realized is it is male fantasy come alive on the screen it's just like it is a penthouse letter it is a penthouse letter it's like (laughs) this man who can't find love falls in love with a mermaid right so that's sexy and you know with a girl that that, that is that is um languageless but sex starved and sex crazed for him alone madison is down to fuck the whole film (laughs) like she is just she is dtf as the young kids say, the whole fucking time. And when you watch this, what, 20 years later, it's probably the biggest what the fuck change of the coin that we've done thus far, 
where I remember it just being really romantic and sweet and being mermaid, you know, just being about a mermaid in modern day worlds. And instead, when I watched it this time, it was like, oh, it's just a male fantasy. And yeah. that, my friend, is why it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, because it was written by a man for you're, you're, men. You're doing real well for not feeling well, Amy. Really, <laughs> really well. Yeah. 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 I think you maybe we just we just do the sign off now. Like, What else is there to <laughs> no, say? That was my trip. That was my trip. So, yeah, oh, you're absolutely right. It's pretty, I mean, again, it's a fairy tale fantasy slash rom-com. So you you have no reason to expect it to be anything other than absurd from start to finish, which it accomplishes. So, I mean, is it a good film? Is it a bad film? It it did its job. It definitely did its job, given I think what it is. There's some saving graces in this movie that make it worthwhile. And believe it or not, Tom Hanks isn't on the top of the list. Um, Daryl Hannah is fantastic. She brings it. I mean, she does not have anything to work with except to be like a male fantasy, mythical creature of infinite beauty from the sea. And with her crimped hair and like the stupid shit she has to say, she sells it. You know, I mean, like she has, what, what was one of her lines? Like, is this really what happens to water when it when it gets cold? And she like you actually believe everything. I know. Like, like, and she doesn't seem stupid. She actually seems like she doesn't know. Like, oh, when she crawls up and sees the walk sign and is like pretty. Like pretty. I think yeah. anyone else doing that, it would have been cringeworthy, but her she she's able to do it with childlike wonder. That's really, really sweet. She's and actually her physicality, the way she moves around once she's on land, she does have this like, she is graceful, but also lurching in a really weird way. There's a strange gangliness to her limbs. Like she doesn't really know how to use them very well. And I can appreciate that. I have to say, actually, my favorite look of hers is when she's wearing his suit. Oh, absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. She, she pulls yeah. it off. I mean, she's, she's so breathtaking. And, yeah. and I'd have to say like, even when she is being DTF, that too, she's bringing the female smolder there. She, it's like, she goes from being really, really, you know, wonder in the world and, and fucking Ariel. What is this? What's this? Or fucking... Well, that's what, that's, what's a little eerie and what makes it such a creepy, like male fantasy thing, because she goes from like, She's like wonder child. She's like a babe in the woods, you know, that she doesn't know anything and she's so innocent, but she's also a sex pot. It's a, it's, it's very weird. And I know that they're also playing on that idea that she's, she's a mermaid and they have that like idea of being like a siren and like calling the sailors and kind of thing, you know, but, and that's why she's so, she's so magnetic and people are just kind of like, oh yeah, I'll do, I'll do what you want, I guess. Um, but it's still, it's still a little strange. The, the suit, is my favorite look aside from when, of course, he washes up on the beach and she finds him and then, you know, scampers away back off into the sea. And as she's scampering away, we realize that they have fixed her with a butt merkin, which is great. <laughs> it's the best thing ever that they had to tape her hair to her ass. It's amazing, especially two scenes later. Yeah. They were like, oh, you know what? We don't have to go through that trouble. We'll just show her booty. She's in New York now. 
who gives a fuck? And, <laughs> oh, and yeah. we're closer. We're like close up to her booty this time because last time it yeah. was running away. So I wonder, it's like, why did they feel such a need? I, who knows? We'll never know. Yeah. But yeah, I love how they taped her hair to her ass in her Lady Godiva moment. The other dazzling stars of this that kind of elevate this film, John Candy, who is just such an effortless, funny man. He truly makes Despicable lovable in a way that I don't know another another actor really does. Absolutely. Like this character is terrible. You know, he's looking up people's skirts. What is it? There's that one line he says when he's like, you took a date to one of your weddings. Like he's a terrible, terrible human being. And yet he is so lovable. And I love when he first shows up and it's just joke after joke after joke. And they're lewd, they're crude, and they're lovable. Give me more John Candy. And I don't know if I appreciated John Candy enough when he was around. I know. I'll just put I that know. out there. I mean, I appreciated John Candy, but I don't think I realized, yeah, like the, the genius that we had in yeah. him at all. Uh, every scene he's in in this movie is brilliant. And it's just because he's there and he is so good at helping the other actor be good too. You know what I mean? Like in the scenes that he is with Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks is on, you know, along for the ride. Like he's just being pulled and pushed by John Candy, but John Candy yeah. isn't losing him at any moment. He's not leaving him dry. He's not trying to steal the, their timing, the their night. timing together, the way they play together, that whole thing when, when he's on the phone and he picks up the phone and starts talking. Or then later, my favorite scene between them, of course, is when, you know, Alan is feeling sorry for himself because he, he discovers that Madison is a fish and John Candy just fucking lays into him. Like, do you think that I'm like this because I want to be like, I'm a miserable shit and you found this thing and you're just shitting all over it. And just the way he lays into him and has such a, such a very clear moment of, of a, a, a moment of clarity with his brother and just fucking nails him with it is great. It's great. And such a, such a departure from the character, but at the same time, you don't doubt that that exists in him. Like suddenly yeah. all of his nasty derogatory lewd crude behavior makes sense as a as a cover for his like actual sadness that he doesn't have what his brother has and that's you know it's amazing john candy's really great in this is that kind of a john candy i know thing? right like, yeah like he's always this character that's too much and too loud and disgusting and and you know but then you know has a heart of gold and is actually the voice of reason yeah and 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 really the hero he's the one who comes up with the plan for how to spring her really right he's the one that basically sits there in the fish tank and he's like i'll get arrested for you no problem that's fine yeah, yeah. i'll do he, that he sacrifices himself yeah for, for love not, yeah. that's not even his love oh john candy i love you so much and then of course there's eugene levy who shows up and he's paranoid neurotic shouty intense and just fucking perfect mm -hmm. he's brilliant he's brilliant in this i mean Without Walter Kornblum, what, what would this movie have been? And I have found at any opportunity in my life to use it, I find a way to say, behold, the mermaid. Like, I will always <laughs> find a way to work that in if there's a if there's even a crack in a door. 
I will shove I, a behold the mermaid through it. Okay. So, so would you say you've said it like six times in your life? Like how often? Oh, how often 20, 30. I find ways. I fucking find ways to say behold the mermaid. All right. So, so it starts off in a flashback scene with Alan and what's the brother's name again? What's John Candy's character's name? Freddie. 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 Alan and Freddie are on a boat with a, they're on a family trip out on the, out in the sea. And Alan is looking over the side of the boat. And I just like, I don't know if I ever accepted that he saw her under the water. And on this watch too, I'm like, I have no reason to accept that he saw her under the water because any normal child would point and scream and say, there's a fish girl under the water. Um, And he looks so forlorn and like distant. I'm like, does this child suffer from morbid depression? Because this time on this watch, I was like, was this a suicide attempt? Like this kid looks miserable because he just like starfishes out face down (laughs) into the water. Doesn't even cannonball. He's like, I'm just back going. And she's so cute, though, with her tiny little goldfish tail. I'm hearing what you're saying about, you know, he's he's kind of gazing into the water and then he almost like falls. That's the thing. Like they're trying to, they're trying to make it seem as though he's had this feeling of otherness and separateness post that event, like post having been touched by a mermaid under the water that he believes is a near death hallucination. He is, you know, not been able to find love or gel with another woman again, because he's searching for that magical connection that he had once when he was like eight, but that dude was already checked out before he got in the water. So (laughs) like, but you are right about it is so cute like the little mermaid tiny tail with her little tail and and both of them, like both of the little actors under the water, like, do they kiss? I don't remember now. Or do they No, they just like hold hands. I think maybe they have like a little peck or something. Yeah. They think they have a tiny little peck or something, but they hold hands under the water and it's really cute. And then his dad jumps in and grabs him, but somehow doesn't see the fish girl. But I mean, she's got a tail, so she could have bolted pretty fast. Fast forward 20 years later, it's the eighties. Allen's owns a whole food, wholesale fruit and vegetable business in New York City. Freddie's still around. He's still womanizing and um, driving a red Lamborghini and, and is just outlandish and amazing. And Allen is very sad because all of his relationships never work out because, of course, he was touched by a mermaid and he can't he can't. <laughs> feel that again you know the way we're saying it it seems like such a fetish like the way we're explaining it it's like as a child this like you know accident happened and then he like fetish fetishes fetishizes yeah fetishizes yeah fetishizes fetishizes oh I can't say it you need to be drinking see I do I do I do need to be drinking can you you know what I'm trying to say right yeah he gets a kink. He gets a kink. He suddenly has a fetish for like fish women. Why did I say I mean, it's a, it's a thing. Yeah, it is a thing. Yeah. Oh, everything's a thing. Everything is a thing. That is <laughs> very <laughs> true. That's that is very true. I do have to know, as much as I love their chemistry, in this reality, mermaids exist and John Candy and Tom Hanks are somehow brothers. Like, And I don't know how movies do this, but it's like... How the hell are these two supposedly brothers? Yeah. Perhaps this was the roadmap for twins like that. They were like, well, they look, they did it and splash. We can, we can pull this off. 
but I do love their chemistry and and you you kind of mentioned it before but when they're running around the table um the desk and they're kind of like you know why is this table such a mess and then he's like I've got a system and that's like one of the moments we get some Tom Hanks funniness yeah because it's there he does it is there like, yeah it, it it is there and he is an engaging straight man like it, it's not that he didn't do anything in this film and I feel like we we kind of undercut him like he's great in this film except when he's not except when he's a petulant child um but that's not Tom Hanks that's his character though it does beg the question like Tom Hanks when he gets mean it's really terrible oh he is nasty it's really he nasty. is he is he is really he has that hard 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 edge on him and you're like wow that is really 180 degrees from being a bosom buddy there bro like you are really right mean yeah mean. vicious yeah when he cuts out cuts into her at the skating rink it's brutal he just slashes into her why because he can't have what he wants for the first time from a woman He's known for three days. So yeah. So again, as a child watching this, it was this romantic story. Now it is a tale of actual madness. Like, bro, you washed up on a beach. You met a naked woman who wouldn't speak. A few days later, same naked woman shows up. Naked as the day she was born, gets arrested and is holding your wallet. And now here's the other thing. She's holding his wallet. She's a mermaid that lives under the sea. And somehow recognizes a New York state ID and has maps underwater that have not been damaged by time and knows how to read a map and how to locate his exact neighborhood on a map where she's like, oh, yeah, it's a great pizza joint over there that I love. This is going to be a fucking solid errand that I'm about to run and somehow swims, swims there. She finds it. That makes no sense. She can't speak English yet, but she can read an ID and a map and has a map that has New York State with Manhattan proper on it, which is absurd. Anyway, she gets there and he she gets arrested and he picks her up at the fucking police department. She still doesn't speak English. She's half naked now. Starts making out with him. And now they're just fucking. She still doesn't speak English. He still has no idea who, who she is. She's his sex pet now in his apartment. And he's like, I got to go to work. You just stay here and watch TV. And he's asking her to marry him like within three days later. And I understand that's because the moon and shit, she's got to go back and all that. But like, but he's not aware of that. No, he's not. It's crazy. It's crazy. The other thing that really bothers me is after she gets arrested for being the naked lady, at the Statue of Liberty is that they do give her clothes, but only a shirt. They don't oh, no, no, they gave clothes. her some they gave her some panties because later when she's at the apartment and she's sitting on the bed and she goes to pull him back down onto the bed, she's wearing underpants. OK, but still, Sasha, there's <laughs> I know. Still why couldn't missing. they I'm, why couldn't they have found some pants? You know, like, that's cool, but you you would give her some pants right you would give her or as we would say because we have british listeners they would give him because they gave her pants trousers trousers they gave her no trousers she's just sitting there in a statue of liberty t-shirt like on the boat away from the statue of liberty and then and then in the police station i mean mind you she probably wasn't there for hours but 
no one thought, hey, let's give the most beautiful woman in the world who's got legs for days, like, let's give her something to cover her bottom. Nope. And she lands at the Statue of Liberty and the guy is like, you know, and this now this statue exists for the enjoyment of people, people and naked women everywhere. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? And then everyone turns around. Would people really mob her like the walking dead? Number one, he doesn't say, oh, my God. He says, bocce balls, bocce balls. That's it. Bocce balls, <laughs> which is fucking awesome. Yeah. 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 That's that's one point for Splash. Number two, it happens a couple times in this film. So it's not just a male fantasy for our friend, Alan. It's a male fantasy for the world. Because when she shows up naked and there is that swarm around her and like people are taking pictures with her, like it's a really it weird- It is weird. Fucking reaction. strange. Yeah. Really weird, weird reaction. People like- are fucking weird and they do do things. like. So when I was at this show last night, at some point this guy, and now mind you, it's it's done with the intention to produce this, but when it happened, I was horrified. So at some point, Mark Rebier grabs a bottle of champagne and he like goes out into the crowd and, um you know, like shakes up the champagne, pops the cork and sprays everybody while he crowd surfs. The second one inch of one of his limbs hit the first person that was willing to like, you know, gonna fucking crowd surf him. These people swarmed on him and I like screamed. I was like, oh my God, it's like the walking dead. This is just way too much. I wanted nothing to do with it. It was so scary. And I was scared for him. And I was just looking at these people like, what's wrong with you? This is a very strange and twisted part of people, this like cult of personality thing. And like, if I can just touch this person, then somehow I will be imbued with some of their brilliance, their genius. My life will change, like rubbing the belly of a Buddha or something. It was so like, what's going to happen for you? What's going to happen? And so that's kind of what this reminds me of too, where like, not only is it wildly disgusting and inappropriate that not one person was like oh we have a a naked woman in our midst this girl might need some help it's just swarm and take selfies grope and grab i don't like people i don't like people like a lot see i my frame of reference is going to be a little racy everyone so if you are under the age of i don't give a fuck stop listening for a second a boyfriend who will remain nameless, took me to like, what are they called? Like a sex club. Okay. Right? Like a swingers club? Yeah. I didn't do anything. I just you did, my dad. You can do you, baby. I'm not Yeah, yeah, to. yeah. But just so my dad knows, like I didn't do anything. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. It was just way too gross. But I did see quite a bit. And one of the things I saw was like, obviously a naked woman in the middle of, you know, this house we were at and lots of men watching and touching her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course this was consensual. And like I said, I have nothing against this. You know, I was fucking there. Right. Right. At the same accord, I didn't do fucking anything there because it made me feel really uncomfortable. And why it Mm -hmm. made me feel really uncomfortable is because the woman partner husband boyfriend whatever she was like whispering to him that she did not like this ah and i heard it and i was like dude like 
but she was there doing it. Oh God. I, oh God. All my skin just crawled off my body. Yeah. So he, so I mean the scenario, I won't go into gross detail, but the point is it's this idea of like this woman going in to a space and like just that swarm of men to exploit her versus to help her. And it, it it's like, it just feels like the eagerness to exploit her is just so powerful and God, it, it, it's not the only time in this film it happens, yeah. it happens another time. And it, and, and, and I mean, ultimately, you know, she's exploited for being a mermaid, not for being a woman, but you know, we can, we can make that line blurry as well, what they do to her when they find mm-hmm. her. But anyway, the last one you're talking about is, and this is probably the biggest thing in this film. So we can just take our time to just, talk about this right now she she don't speak no english she don't speak at all she's beautiful he has kind of seen her before she fucks him in the elevator that's the first time that they have they don't even get up to the room right do it in the elevator right and just throughout the whole like six days not even a week girl six days i love the way you put it sex pet yeah it's like that's all she is. That's all she can possibly be. There is no, I love you. And I know that they tried to shoehorn that in here um, because I think like they have this idea that in her world, you know, they're a lot more innocent. Like, like sarcasm doesn't even exist where she's from. Right. So, like they're evolved beings where they can learn English in an afternoon watching television and they fall in love with somebody with immediacy and they always want to have sex. Like this, this is what a mermaid is, right? Yeah. But like, he ain't no mermaid. I don't know. It's like a, it's like a dude who uh, like gets a picture by his Russian brides. Oh, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's, it's really, it's not awesome. It's, it's not, not awesome. awesome. It's yeah. not romantic at all. Like, and I mean, Again, I, I don't fault the her part, but it almost feels like she's just like, like what do they call it again? Mail order bride. A mail order bride. And you know, and then he he leaves her in the apartment like a sex pest. She watches some television, learns one word. Because of course, shopping is the thing that will speak to the female psyche first and foremost. Written by a man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I shouldn't do that because. We literally should. I could do that every ten seconds. Every fifteen seconds, you could. You could <laughs> every time by a man. Start yeah, absolutely. About the plot absolutely. So she manages to retain the word Bloomingdale's and go to Bloomingdale's. Where so now we get toxic eighties diet culture. Oh yeah, which is so gross. It's so gross. She goes to buy some clothes and the woman in the department store, what does she say to her? She, wait, where, I feel like I had it written oh, down. Oh, I've got it. Because I was just she like, says, oh. oh. you'd look great in this. I can get one leg and mm-hmm. not like my daughter. She's, daughter. Lucky. She's lucky. She's anorexic. It's wow. Terrible. It's vile. It's really vile. It's really, really vile. Here's the crazy thing. I still like this movie a lot. Uh-huh. But the scene here where she breaks all the fucking televisions by saying her name. Her name is, like, is classic. Is classic and it's hilarious. But again, you know how when, when you are um, talking to someone and they're trying to explain something in another language and you're like, how do you say pickle? 
And then they're like, it's like, what's your name? <laughs> like, it's a really yeah. long name. Yeah. Although when she's looking at the TVs and it starts with that Colgate commercial, I had the immediate thought where I was like, wouldn't she have like real crazy fish breath, like salty, fishy, fishy sea breath that she would just be smacking those lips on him? Wouldn't it be kind of like, whoa, lady. You know, like when you accidentally get seaweed in your mouth at the beach and you're like, like, yeah, I I mean, like, I guess they don't have dental care under the water. Yeah. I mean, Speaking of we- under the water, when when they go back, when they go back to his place and she decides to, you know, abscond to the bathroom in the middle of the night for a little, you know, reset, a little mermaid yeah, self-care. Yeah. <laughs> this is pre-global warming. Why is she trying to cook her ass? Like that water is boiling in the tub. Boiling. The ocean is like, that's how you kill a fish, right? Like when you get a goldfish, like, don't you have to like submerge the bag of water they come in? in the tank you're about to put them in, let the temperature stabilize and then you free the fish because if you change the temperature of the water for the fish, they will die. And all I could think was like, she is straight making ramen in this fucking bathtub. <laughs> like what the fuck? Like how between her noodle hair and her fish tails, like that is soup now. Drop <laughs> some daikon and green onions in there, babes. This is delish. So salty. Why is the water so hot? Another classic scene with the, with the, with her and the and knocking on the door. And again, she's taking a bath and he's like, let me in. And he won't, she won't let him in. And he gets, he goes from let me in to like, let me in right now. I'm going to break open the door really quick. Real fast. Real really fast. fast. Yeah. Like, and mind you, he does hear a thump. But even after he hears the thump, she's like, I'm cool. Like she's, you know what I mean? And it's like, I just met this woman. Sure, I've boned her a couple of times already, you know, basically in every part of my apartment building. But ultimately it's like, she's asking for five, 10 minutes. Can she have some, can she have some space? And when she says, no, make me some pancakes, his ass breaks the door down. Yeah. It's not cool. Alan. It's not. It's not cool at all. It's weird. The whole thing is weird. And what's also weird is when she's watching the TV later, and this is not like weird in general, it's just weird about our culture. So like when she's watching Bonanza and she's crying and he's trying to explain to her that it's make-believe, oh, you yeah, know, yeah, and yeah. a week later he'll be on a different show killing someone else or being killed by someone else. And she's like, oh, so I'm supposed to laugh? And she's like, ah, 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 Honestly, like the way that scene should have gone down was a moment of him recognizing like, issues with humanity but instead she just goes oh this is this is supposed to be my response she stepped for she she becomes a step yes. wife versus kind of explaining to him or telling him what the you know the irony of the scenario right because he goes like it is kind of funny when you think about it it's like no it's actually kind of disturbing if you think about it especially if you knew at this point that this person comes from a culture that is without violence if it's not for survival because i mean surely something's tried to eat her underwater at some point right but like why do i feel like they're probably not having like fish battles like murder battles under you know i don't know the concept of violence clearly is not gelling with her she's like why the why would you hit another being why would you inflict pain 
it missed an opportunity, but it, this movie wasn't about that. This movie isn't a fish out of water story. Like, ha ha, mm-hmm. everyone. It isn't. It is purely male fantasy story. So what's better is that she just goes, what am I supposed to do? Okay, I'll do that instead. Though that scene ends brilliantly <laughs> because he buys her a gift in the faux Tiffany <laughs> And yeah. when he gives it to her, she thinks that's it. And yeah. she kisses it. <laughs> that shit's hilarious. And then she it's opens beautiful. it up and it's a fucking ugly ass snow globe but really no it's not a snow globe actually it's an it's an antique like music box which i was kind of into because like old-timey mechanics i find really really fascinating but at the same time like again we're playing the line of is she a child and a sex bot child or a sex bot or both because who gives a grown-ass woman a mother fucking music box that's weird i'm not going with you on that trip because i think music box i mean it's a sweet gift and it's a token and i would you know if someone gave me a music box i wouldn't be against she doesn't even have a fucking suitcase he's giving her a glass (laughs) object she's gonna have to deal with in three days like come on it's ridiculous i'm not ridiculous but at the same time oh my days yeah and then Um, of course my other to mention though that uh tom hanks it's official he smush kisses yeah Smush a kiss. mush, a smush kisser, a mushy, a mushy mouthed kisser. Yeah. Yeah. And Daryl Hannah, I think, does it. It has a bit more chemistry and can respond to it a bit better than Shelley Long. But yeah, he smushes her when he kisses. Yeah. Speaking of ridiculous gifts, because this never worked for me as a kid either. So he gives her a music box. She gets him a fountain somehow. She trades the lion medallion necklace. <laughs> is it a, it's not a sea lion it's a lion i feel like that's really bad costume it's um, awful design right there yeah it's not like there's a lack of sea animals that they could have put on there fucking dolphins man anything whales sharks or octopus. poseidon because clearly at the end we find out that maybe she's the princess of atlantis I don't know because anything anything yeah yeah but no it's a lion it's absolutely a lion thank you because I was like is that a lion or are my eyes that bad but so they're walking around and he sees this fountain of course has a little mermaid on it and she's asking him why he likes it so much hoping that he'll say something about the mermaid so she can be like but that is me but he doesn't but she could have anyway and he reveals that they're going to they're going to tear it down because they're tearing down that little park. And she trades the necklace and gets him the fountain and somehow with a single rope and one tiny furniture dolly, two, two movers are able to bring a, a 12 foot wide, 20 foot high statue into an elevator, into his apartment, into his eight foot high ceilinged bedroom. And there it is, somehow running with lights and water, not crashed through the floor in his bed. And even as a kid, I was like, I can suspend disbelief, but not logistics. <laughs> and, and where did he get the water hookup in his yeah. room? No, it just really, it's always been like that. This is, this is really transcended the ridiculous now. Absolutely insanity. Moved 
in New York City and up like five flights of stairs. Yeah, I think I had to pay quite a bit of money for people to just bring up my. Yeah, I remember a chair. You got a chair once and it was like a whole fucking thing. Yes, I bought a chair for like, I actually, I still have the chair. Um, I got a chair for $60 uh and it it cost something like 115 to actually right. get into my apartment right. a fountain <laughs> two guys one dolly one rope Whole oh, ass and, fountain. and what was that necklace made out of because you know a statue it's not super cheap right and it's 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 city property she's just gonna trade a, a she speaks tv and somehow in she could in her TV speak English, she can trade a necklace. I mean, are we supposed to believe that this is because she has the siren like magnetism that people will just do? This is what I'm saying, that the people will just do what she wants. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get that. Oh, no, no, no. It, it, you don't get it because it makes no sense. Before we go on. Yes, male fantasy, not every man's fantasy. So we do know some really wonderful men out there in the world. And I just want to make sure that, you know, we're not man hating here. Right. And if you want to hear two wonderful men, please go and listen to worst scene, best scene with our friends, George and Richard, who we always say not only give good podcasts, but give good faith for the hope of male kind. (laughs) Because I actually think like, I think the problem I had with it is that as much as I know this is a male fantasy, I also know that it's not a male fantasy. I also know that like there are lots of men who would just not be into this. They'd be like, oh, you're beautiful. You're great. Ah, you don't speak. And now you're rolling up on me with kisses and stuff. And it's Mm -hmm. sexy, but you don't speak like, yeah, oh, you're doing weird shit like jumping up on stuff and saying pretty and stopping cars right and I feel like the lobster scene is just like you know it's the answer to a reddit question have you ever really been into somebody and then they did one thing where you were just like (laughs) I'm not you know that ended the relationship because if you think about it it's top answer (laughs) top answer I hung out with this girl and I woman. she was so beautiful she fucked me in the elevator the first time I met her but then we went out to lobster and she started eating and oh boy all I've got to say is that was the last night I ever saw her right like this would have been exactly exactly deal breaker is I just feel like as much as we kind of I don't want to say bad mouth because I feel like we spoke the truth about this like male fantasy of, you know, a woman who doesn't speak and is always down to fuck and is absolutely breathtaking and, you know, came to this world just for you. But I think there's the issue with it that I have now is that I know that it's not every man's fantasy. Like I know that there's lots of men who would just be like, hey, you don't speak hey, you just fucking walked in front of a car. You crazy. Hey, mm-hmm. you just, you eat lobster like that and they would have hightailed it out. Absolutely, but not our Alan. Not, not Alan. our Alan, not Alan. No, no, no. Alan takes her on yet another beautiful date where they will go roller skating or no, excuse me, ice skating, which she's ace at, even though she's only just learned to walk. And um, 
asks her to marry him because he's decided that her her need to leave has to be linked to an immigration issue, which is a reasonable assumption to make. You know, you wouldn't assume it has to do with the moon and the tide. And um, she says no. And they've known each other for three days. And upon her saying no, he unleashes a wave of despicable childish resentment. Like he gives such, he gives such good, bitter and angry that it's, that it's almost hard to like him from that moment on in the film. For me, it really is. I'm just like, ew, you're a fucking, you're terrible. Well, he does something else that's terrible, even worse. Oh yeah, yeah, it gets worse. It gets worse. That's what I mean. It just gets worse. Like this is the first, ugh. And it's not because he's nasty to his, his ex that gets established at the beginning when she's like, do, what does he, what does she say to him? He's on the phone with this woman, Victoria. And, um, and she's asking him if, if she loves him and he's like, well, it's a complicated thing. Do you love me? And it's like, he's so awful. He's so awful to her. Right. But we're supposed to accept this because he hasn't found that same magical connection, but no, it's just that he's awful because if he doesn't get what he wants, he's awful. Or if it doesn't go in the way that he needs it to, he's going to be awful. It's just, mm -mm, no, what the way he unleashes on her is nasty. It's interesting. And I wasn't expecting this for our, like when Tom Hanks was funny talk, but yeah, it it's like when you have a friend or boyfriend or, or anybody who's, who's nice all the time and they're really super sweet. Right. Mm -hmm. AKA Tom Hanks. Right. So sweet. Right. But then you see him suddenly in a different light, mm-hmm. this bitter, angry, and he did it in, you know, Money Pit as well when he was right. yelling at Anna um, in those, in that final scene. And it's so cutting and it's so bitter. And he, and like the, the part here that got me too is when um, later on, when he rejects her and he, when they're in the water tank, he does this look on his face. Ooh. That's really intense. And it's one of those things where you go, who's the real one? Is it the nice guy or this guy? Because this, it seems so true colors, you know? The truth is, is that everyone is allowed to be both of these things. You know, Mm -hmm. you are allowed to have bad days. You are allowed Mm -hmm. to, you know, have awful moments with people. Like we, we don't expect people to be nice. I mean, I'm definitely not the nicest person on occasion. So I can't claim being a sweetheart all the time. In fact, I think a lot of people would think that I'm not a sweetheart any of the time. I would get the other thing. I would I be think the other side most of the time. But you know, there's it's like one of those things. If you're nice all the time, and then suddenly you're mad, you're mean once. Right? Like, is that your true color? And it's the opposite. The same true. If you're always awful, right? Uh-huh. A.K. John Candy's character, right? If you're right. always a terrible character, and then you've got a moment where you're sweet. Oh, that's your true colors. He's he acts like a real dick, but he's actually a sweetheart. Versus, you know, that guy's really sweet, but I've seen him. He's actually a real dick. Like it, it depends on what you do most and less. Right. You know what I mean? I do have to say though, when she starts saying some shit like, is this really what happens when water gets cold? Like, I kind of get his freak out a bit. Mm-hmm. Because it's, you know, well, no, that's the first time he actually makes any kind of sense where it's like, yeah, dude, 
She doesn't know what ice is. She eats lobster with a bare teeth. She's never seen a fucking street sign. She didn't have a name or speak English when you met her or speak at all. Or have clothes. <laughs> yeah, he, he's welcome. Something's wrong. And, welcome, and, Alan. And, and like. mind you, I, because I knew that you would not like the scene and I didn't like it either when he's mean to her and things like that. But when she gets mad and she runs off, he immediately says sorry. Mm-hmm. And he goes after her. He really, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in that moment. However, when he finally does find her or when she finds him later on, he's sulking with his face to the ground and she shows up and he's not like, sorry anymore. He's not like, Hey, I've been looking for you all night. He's still a petulant child until she's like, Oh, I'm going to give up everything and stay with you. Right. And then he is, you know, zippity doo da zippity. Wow. Which is his song when he sings, when he has (laughs) sex with her. (laughs) Right. So, beyond this now right so now that she's decided to give him give up everything so that she can stay there and he doesn't realize that she's going to give up everything he just realized that now that she's she's changed her mind because he's had a fit over a massive decision after knowing him for three days he decides it's appropriate to take her to an event with the president and this has come about because john candy has secured them a contract or is in the process of trying to secure for them a contract for their fruits fruit business with some guy who's you know on the up and up they're hobnobbing they're rubbing elbows they're trying to get you know in the 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 produce mogul ring again such a silly plot point like yeah and then they they pretend that he's a fucking war veteran of the united states is that like what where meanwhile right and meanwhile while all of this like this three days of dating is going on we have eugene levy who we haven't really touched on at all other than to say that he was brilliant eugene levy we meet uh walter corn cornbloom corn yeah walter cornbloom who is a scientist looking for something we don't know what but he is fucking shit serious about it and he doesn't want anybody seeing his research who sent you who sent you? And he has got two of the most bungling idiots for assistance to bring him out onto the sea. They tell him to go and grab a boat from this man who he later calls Captain Mr. Captain Fat Jack, <laughs> who is a weird, sadistic weirdo who, once he finds out Tom Hanks is afraid of the sea and can't swim, starts rocking the boat back and forth just to fuck with him. And then when the fucking engine cuts out, jumps off the boat and leaves him to die, basically. And um, Walter Kornblum sees this, knows that he's being trailed, knows that his research is being hacked, goes off the deep end and is now obsessed that like Tom Hanks is somehow involved in trying to, you know, foil his research. We can only assume that his research involves what he must have maybe one day saw was a mermaid that maybe he's, he had seen not yet named Madison because, or as she goes by, because when he sees the new, when they're out on the, on the ocean again, and he sees the newspaper, 
like all the lights go off on his in his brain that that's like no, that's the her. thing no no he sees her so he's uh, after but that's I, after I mean, but that's after we already know that he's researching we don't know what he's actually researching okay we know okay well we know he's researching a mermaid and basically he goes off into the water and then after um she saves him he sees her and yeah, he tries that's, to take a photo of her uh-huh that's it okay i mean okay. i don't think it's well, complicated it's... and and he's obsessed oh you call with... me stupid <laughs> oh, I just, I just feel like you could just say he's really into mermaids. He is under the water, sees her really quick, recognizes her. <laughs> we could have just gotten to it quicker. <laughs> Struggling. <laughs> Eugene Levy adds some comic relief. You know, when John Candy is not breaking it up, Eugene Levy is here to break it up a little bit. Right. And he he is a very obsessed scientist who is, you know, going after the Loch Ness monster, right? You know, he's, right. He's the, and he's chasing he's chasing that mermaid. dream of of notoriety, of having discovered a thing. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And they've got some background stuff when he, you know, they they've got scenes later in the movie when he's with um. Uh, you know his professor and and the the scientific community is laughing at him and things right. like that so so there is some of those things to it but he is so funny like the way he yells at people is just hilarious and he's so quick as well you know just like John Candy is so effortless like Eugene Levy it doesn't isn't as effortless but he's so quick he, Are they both Second City comedians? I think you. I think you're on to something there. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to say Yerene because I don't want to. Um, I don't want to look it up, and I don't want it to be wrong. <laughs> but I think you're right. I think you're right. Or I think yeah. And Catherine O'Hara was in there as well. I think they're all they're all that because John Candy wasn't on. Um, no, you're absolutely right because John Candy wasn't Saturday Night Live. Yeah, Eugene Levy's a Canadian actor, so I'm going to bet dollars to donuts right now that he was a second city. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And he's, like, there's another part when he's with yep. the guys. Um, yep, yes, in Johnson's. fact, they were on the first, yes. He, John Candy, um, uh, it's it's John Candy, Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy, and, oh, God, Rick Moranis. Fucking Rick, Rick Moranis were all in the first season as well as Andrea Martin um, and, and Martin Short. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all yeah. brilliant. Fucking powerhouse. All brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Invite me to that fucking party. Seriously. That's lots of funny people. And and he's his obsession is great. And then when he gets laughed at by the scientific community, they say, you know, what do you, because he tells them like, there's a mermaid in New York City. Or wait, you have it. <laughs> No, no, that's behold the mermaid is after oh, he gets her wet. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. All right. No, but his professor's like, you drug the entire scientific community here to tell us that you have broken the boundaries of science and paleontology, to tell us that you have discovered a mermaid and just shames the fuck out of him. Right. Thank you so much for doing that voice because later on, that actor, that nasally curly head actor, with a weird nose, right? He's got like a gnome nose. Uh-huh. He says unicorn instead of unicorn. A unicorn. Yes. 
And I don't know why. It's not that it's funny. Yes, why don't you go find us a unicorn? Very peculiar actor. Yeah. And and an evil character. A truly evil character. Yes. Okay, so so Eugene Levy is off in the backgrounds trying to establish and prove to the world that this mermaid exists and takes to the streets throwing buckets of water on random women who he thinks is wearing the same outfit as Madison. And it all comes to a head at an event with the president where somehow <laughs> Eugene Levy in his fucking, he's already got his, how did he break his arm at this point? So oh, that's from the fight from, that he got he, into from, he right. There's water on some random. Someone beats moment. his ass, right? His partner. Yeah. Beats, beats his ass. So he gets his ass beaten. He's got, he's got his arm in fucking giant fucking suspended cast. And he somehow manages to, despite his obviousness, blend in as a bust boy with a water tank on his back right pre 9-11 guys when you could check all the baggage you want and fucking hustle your way into an event with the president and he manages to get in there they do finally spot him they kick him out they don't handcuff him they don't put him down like get that fucking guy and just like shoot a fucking tranquilizer dart into his neck they just escort him out onto the street in front of God and everyone for him to scream and act a fool while they're like loading him into a cab, not even like an armored vehicle or anything. They leave at the same time because she decides this is the moment that she's going to reveal herself to him. She can't wait for dessert. And they're out on the street. And again, this man who they just thought was going to attack the president, they allow to get his hands free enough, long enough, to be able to get his water cannon weapon back into his hands and aim it at a random woman on the street for long enough. And now, first of all, why can't she run away from the water? It's only got so much distance that it can spray. She could have moved. She could have hidden behind another person. She could have run away. But instead, she just, you know, I understand we have to have the moment. But she stands there and gets splashed into fishdom. And there she is on the ground, flapping her tail under her dress. And then we get, behold, the mermaid, right? And once again, she is mobbed upon. And the one person who knows her, the one person she trusts, the one person who's just asked her to marry him, totally fate. I mean, shock, no shock. You, you claim to love this person enough that you'd want to marry them, but leave them to be mobbed and besieged upon by all of these strangers, have their photo taken and be picked up and whisked away, right? And now, of course, he gets taken as well, but he does nothing to protect her. Nothing. What a bitch. There is a tonal shift that happens at this moment in the film where it's kind of, you know, we're in this fantasy world and, and it's funny with with um, Eugene Levy and then his casts and his broken glasses and Behold the Mermaid and all that. But there is a tonal shift that happens in this moment. And it is really, really terrible. It's like suddenly we're watching Carrie in the pig's blood. It's awful. It's slow. There's flashing lights. And poor Daryl Hannah, like the... And she does it later, too, when she's in the tanks. Um, The pathos of her face is so heartbreaking. And she's calling to Alan. 
And it's like it, like I said, it's a tonal shift and it, and then, and then it shifts back to the rest of the movie. It's like, it's like Ron Howard was like, okay, I do comedies. This is a comedy, but I really want to be a director of Apollo 13. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he had just like sights on being, you know, greater. What other great films has he done that are like deep? I'm trying to think. Anyway, the only thing that comes to mind is Apollo 13. Anyway, but the shift here is really intense and she's humiliated, you know, the horror in, in just the circumstance and she's afraid. I mean, it really gets you. And, and this is, again, like the, the other scene, she's actually quite confident in, in the other scene, the outside of the Statue of Liberty. She's kind of confident and she doesn't really, and, and unaware, she's just walking yeah. naked. Right, because she's in her natural state. She probably thinks it's weird they're wearing clothes. She's like, what the fuck are you wearing? Why? Yeah, but this time she's so afraid and she's so humiliated mm -hmm. and the special effects are not great. And like, it's kind of killer. Like I wasn't expecting suddenly to feel so like scared for her. And yeah, when she's calling his name to feel just so angry at him basically abandoning her yeah to the mob yeah which is horrific now shock i get it cool but at the same time i don't know for him to do this in this moment mm -hmm. is fucking awful and then also too if we're gonna go with the idea of like hey bub you know so by the third date you've realized that you know she doesn't know what ice is and she eats lobster with her fucking bare teeth and she does a bunch of weird shit and maybe you want to get, do some more investigation before going out on another on another date with her, let alone asking her to marry you. Madison, if your dude ditches you to a mob, swim away, baby, because there's other fish in the sea. All right. Like, leave this one behind. Catch and release. Like, who gives a fuck? He's an yeah. asshole. Yeah, doesn't yeah. matter if he's in shock. He's an asshole for that. And then they're in the tank and he's so cold to her. He's so cold and so mean. And she is doing it so well. She really is playing it so well in that tank. That's what I'm saying. Like there's a part when, of course, you know, they keep her in the tank too long and, and she begins to get ill and her tail is molting and stuff. And like, again, she's a cinematic beauty and the curve of her body and the way she's like, kind of like looking at her, her you know poor tail That's and she's amazing. holding her breath while she's doing it yeah okay <laughs> like, i forgot to mention there was there was lots of other actresses lots of other actresses that were ahead of the line of, from daryl hannah and not one of them could i imagine doing this so i'm just gonna ripple down names and maybe you can just go what uh through it i'll give you a pause in between them sasha so you can do it jody foster never Rosanna Arquette. Uh, oh, no. Brooke Shields. Oh, okay, kind of. Melanie Griffith. Never. Julia Louise Dreyfus. Absolutely not. Diane Lane, Tatum O'Neill, Michelle Pfeiffer, Sharon Stone, Kathleen Turner, Deborah Winger. Actually, Deborah Winger wanted to play it, but Ron Howard said no. <clears throat> And Blair from The Facts of Life. Yeah, none of them. That was Daryl Hannah's part. 
that that part was for Daryl Hannah. I couldn't envision any of them in that part. Ali Sheedy as well. Never. Absolutely. I, you know, except for Michelle Pfeiffer when she was young and and Mm -hmm. possibly Sharon Stone. And I didn't choose them just because they're blondes. I can't imagine any of these other women bringing that like moment where she's, you know, under the, the water and just like dying basically of yeah. a broken heart and of the fact that that like all humanity has exploited her. Here's the other thing that's really oh, fucking weird about it. this whole scientific thing going on where she's being held hostage in this tank and shit. And then they start getting really gross and talking about fucking cutting her open and shit, right? She speaks English. Like they could be interviewing her. They could be asking her questions. They could be, what's it like under the sea? Tell us about Atlantis. But they've got her in a tank like she can't talk. What the fuck? That's, it's weird. She is a specimen. You're absolutely right. Why don't they just fucking ask her questions? Why don't they interview her? Like she's the only one they've ever seen. The script could have done very interesting things in this, but the script chose to make her an object. Right. I'm sure that they've talked about remaking this movie a zillion times. And as a matter of fact, like I think recently I heard like them remaking it. And I really hope that these are the things that they fix in the script. So this movie can actually be a little bit of both. Yeah, it can be a male fantasy. Like mermaids are sexy. I have no problem with sex. Like, let's do it. But let's make it also like a fantasy for the woman to enjoy as well. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Where she's not like, completely objectified in this way, but that removes in the the notion that the you know the resentment of of female enjoyment of sex is at the root of misogyny. Like I said, there's a tonal shift at, at the end, and, and which bounces back, of course, because John Candy comes to save the day. You know, John Candy brings the the funny back. Eugene Levy brings the funny back. Um, Tom Hanks doesn't really need to do anything except show up to the party. And that we shouldn't say Tom Hanks. It's not the actor's fault, but really at this point, he just decides he loves her. Well, that's, that's after John himself. Candy gives him a fucking right talking to and is like, you little bitch, pull it together. You've got it all. I got nothing but penthouse letters and you've got a fucking mermaid that's obsessed with you and wants to fuck you in elevators and you're sitting here like a bitch on a couch. Now, together. before we get well, to the very, very end, again, yeah. we make fun of Swedish people. Is Swedish people the only, <laughs> like, is that like a thing in the 80s? Like you're allowed, you're not allowed to make fun of white people unless they're Swedish. <laughs> I know this is a, this is a now a, a running, a running thing. What really makes no sense to me about this is they've just had that dude there bobbing in that tank like a fucking tea bag, but suddenly they don't recognize him because he's got a white coat on. <laughs> Like, doesn't make any sense. It makes no no sense at all. We get a dick a dick joke gets them through the door. They steal the mermaid and take to the streets for a high speed pursuit with the army. They're being chased through New York by the army. <laughs> I just don't get it. It just it. I don't know why they had to make it so big. Like. And then there's a party with the president of the United States. I think maybe there's a lot of 
Well, it's like, all of a sudden it's an episode of Scandal. Yeah, totally. It's just like so much. Everything what movie, happens. What yeah. movie were we watching where it was like this whole movie was just made with cocaine? What was the movie? We were like, like there's so movie. many of them. So, so many of them were fueled by cocaine. But, but I know which one you're talking. I know when we said that, but I don't remember which movie we were talking about. But <laughs> well, it's yeah. 1980s. Break out the cocaine. And right. Then, um, and, and then it, it, it cleans up pretty quickly where where, you know, Madison can go back and she says, Alan, you can come. And then, of course, like the big gesture here is he does sacrifice his life to be with her yeah and he jumps into the water and he is able to swim and they but first they kill a bunch of cops do they kill a bunch of cops yeah i mean they're under the water they're deep enough that they have oxygen tanks and they rip their masks off they got the bends their hearts and brains exploded and they died that has to be in the remake they have to add that (laughs) they fucking murdered about five (laughs) cops and they bit them first she bit a bunch of them. That's not, that's not gonna. That's yeah, not they ripped off their mess. They get the bends, they die. They swim away. He does not get a fin. He's just that's a my man that can breathe it. underwater now. Okay, so, so is he ever gonna get a fin? And I mean, like. I mean, I would hope because otherwise he's literally an albatross. He is dead weight. He's never gonna be able to move as fast as her. He's gonna get eaten by something. <laughs> That, that was my and and because also they they kind of go to like merman mermaid city atlantis right? dude atlantis, atlantis which atlantis. i was glad for because at first before they got to atlantis or we saw atlantis i was like uh, i was immediately stricken by this idea i was like bro merlife looks pretty fucking boring I, I gotta be real like this was my next thought i was like i don't know that doesn't look like a lot of fun there's no foosball under the water <laughs> There's no, you know, I, like, what are you going to do? You're just going to sit around and look at starfish. They can't I, talk anymore. You can't make, he does. He has got to learn screech language. Now she's like a miraculous being, right? So she comes and she can just like use her siren ways to kind of charm people. And she can learn English watching television for six hours and all that stuff. But he's human. Like he's going to go down there and he's going to have to do some studying like he, right. he's not going to be able to. He's not picking up Screech in six hours from listening to Mer Radio. That's not <laughs> going to happen. Pretty certain about that. You know, I I wanted to like this movie and I did. But the things that I liked about it were none of the things that I liked about it when I was a child. Like I did uh-huh. not like the relationship. He's a right. kisser. I did not. I didn't think it was sexy. I mean, that's maybe the thing is about yeah. it that yeah. I actually didn't find it sexy. Like I didn't find the idea of like, I'm a mermaid and then I see this dude once and then I come back to land and then I fuck him in an elevator. Like none of this turned me on. And maybe that's my big problem with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Did not make a splash. I think you really put it best. It's like I was really expecting to uh, enjoy this revisited, revisiting this film from my childhood that I loved so much and was not not horrified, but quite frankly, shocked by this film and and the things that went wrong in it. All right, Sasha. On a transatlantic flight to come visit me, 
Splash, Waterworld, or the documentary Blackfish? Um, I'm going to go with Blackfish because at least I'm going to learn something. I Because you know I hate Kevin Costner. <laughs> so I would, re- I would watch Blackfish on repeat until I got to you and know everything. Jock fucking Cousteau by the time I landed. I would have to agree with you. I would be watching Blackfish because I would feel like awareness that it would bring to my life is more important than being again indoctrinated by fucking all the things that I'm supposed to be as a female fantasy in a man's life. Yeah. That splash. Yeah. Basically, you know, probably put in my brain. That being said, I would watch Splash again for Daryl Hannah. I would watch Splash again for um, John Candy and Eugene Levy. I mean, the performance. Oh, I'd absolutely watch it again if it was on for free in a hotel I was staying at. Yeah. Like, and sure, maybe after two watches of Blackfish, I would put Splash on, but never fucking Waterworld because. Dude, fuck Kevin Costner. I like uh, Kevin Costner, and I wouldn't I fucking watch Waterworld again. Like, Waterworld was... I don't even know what to say about it, because it's been so long since I've seen it, and I only saw it once. But, you know, that's all I needed at the time. Yeah. yeah. It, it was not It was not enjoyable. But yeah, Splash wasn't that enjoyable either, to be no. fair. So that's too bad, man. That's too bad. You know, the thing I didn't want to do, Sasha, is like ruin films from our childhood. That's not what this is about. But it seems it's really interesting, the films that do become ruined. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't expecting plane trains and automobiles to be about white privilege. And I wasn't expecting Splash to be a male fantasy. Right. Um, But... You know, you heard it here. It's we weren't expecting the, we were never expecting that the Breakfast Club was, you know, a fucking record of sexual harassment. Like we just weren't expecting any of these things. We weren't expecting it. And, 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 you know, likewise, we weren't expecting coming to America to be a feminist film. Right. For that. Right. So there are right. good ones. There are good ones. But this one, fuck, dude. Never ending story. I feel like I feel like I I want I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now. Listeners, if you haven't listened to our never ending story episode, like, please go back, go back and listen to that. Please go back and check on those films that like we were like, holy shit. This was brilliant and remains brilliant because we're really aren't just here to shit on 80s movies and 80 and the movies that we grew up with we want them to be brilliant we want them to be the things that we remember them to be and those are a couple that are yeah yeah splash is not no it's sorry splash oh we didn't even talk about her name what's funny is there's so many fucking people named madison i know like if this if this movie really did influence our culture, it's the fact that there's like a Republican fucking asswipe named Madison. What's his name? Hawthorne Madison. Hawthorne. I can't Madison, stand him. The bitch. Can't I stand that fucking kid. Cawthorn, yeah. Yeah. Madison. It's it's it's, it's Cawthorn, not Hawthorne and not Caulfield. Cawthorn. <laughs> what a piece of shit. Madison Cawthorn, who would probably do everything in his power to make sure that someone like Madison was fucking taken by ice and dragged back to the sea. 
Protect our borders. No mermaids. Asshole. So thank you all so very much for listening to our latest episode of Eating After Midnight. If you like what you heard, please pop over to iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us a review. You'd also make our day if you could follow us on Instagram at Eating After Midnight Podcast. And if you've got the time, DM us with any comments, questions, or complaints. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Behold the mermaid. There, see, I told you I'll find a way anytime I can. Ha, ha, ha.